Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Move, a podcast which is hosted by me, Jamie Lang, and my business partner, Ed Williams. Now, in 2012, Ed and I founded our confectionery business, Candy Kittens, a business which I'd actually dreamed of having ever since I was six years old. And honestly, we wouldn't have achieved half of what we've been able to without all the amazing tips and advice we picked up along the way. Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the stories of founders, innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs and winners who show us all what's possible with hard work and focus. So whatever you're moving towards, we hope today's guests will open your eyes to what you can achieve. This is Move. Ed, do you remember when we started out Candy Kittens that our office was in a restaurant on the King's Road called the Bluebird? It wasn't really our office, was it? But we basically used to take every single meeting in this restaurant. Go and park up by Diet Coke and then have a table for the day. We were living the dream. Yeah, we were living the dream. And then, we did, and then also you were living on my floor uh, for ages. You were living on my floor. We didn't really have anywhere to go until we had our first office on Radnor Walk straight off the King's Road. And it was amazing when that happened. Big, big turning point for us. I think as soon as you get that office space, business starts to feel real. Yeah, it does start to feel real. And this is why our guest today is so amazing, right? Who is it? So today we've got Gabby Hersham, the founder of Huckletree. Now, Huckletree is a co-working space in London. And co-working spaces are, are kind of popping up around the country at the moment. But this space really is special. More than a workspace, she has built an incredible community of people. She's not always been taken seriously in her career as well, so she had to take action. And not only that, she believes that things can change. She can always change what she's doing. She knows the destination, she knows where she wants to head, but those things can change throughout. Absolutely. So Gabby talks to us about the struggles and challenges she's had to overcome as a female founder. Going out there, raising investment, speaking to shareholders, investors as a female, but also as a mum. She's got over 2,000 members and ambassadors, and she's also hit 100 team members this year. Incredible lady. Let's do this, Ed. Okay. This is Gabriella Hersham on Move. Hey, Gabby, how are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? Very good, thank you. So where have you come from today to come and meet us? So I have been back-to-back in team meetings in Clerkenwell in our HQ and then I sped across town Nice um, to get here. So Is that a classic Monday? Lots of team meetings? Yeah, especially, it's the, is it the first Monday of the month, second Monday of the month? Yeah, T- yeah, same for us. Lots of updates. Yeah. What, what, yeah. Happens in a, what happens in your team meeting? So I have team meetings with each department lead that heads up one of the departments of our product. Mm-hmm. And we go through the product roadmap for the year and we just check in to make sure that all the items on the roadmap are either being hit or if they're going astray, we know why and we have a good reason um, just to make sure that things happen. To and and, and are, you, are you quite fierce? Are you quite kind of like, right, we need a, your regiment in that sense? Or are you kind of quite relaxed as a sort of... 
I am very much like things can go wrong and will go wrong and it's okay to move things and push things back, but there needs to be a really good reason. And if there isn't a good reason, then you don't want then, to see that face. Yeah, you are out of here. Um, also, we should mention, by the way, that we are today filming at uh, the Candy Kittens filming office. Filming or recording? Filming, Reco- filming, we're not filming, sorry. We should mention that we are actually recording today at the Candy Kittens office, which happens to be next door to a building site. Um, so if you do hear any weird rumblings in the background, that's... Not Jamie's tummy. It is the building site. So bear with us. Um, Gabby, we like to kick off every episode of the podcast by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about one of their school reports. And I know you maybe dug something out that you remember. Yeah, so it's funny because when I was asked to bring a school report in, I actually don't have any because we've moved house so many times. I just don't think they featured very highly on my parents' list of (laughs) things to keep. Um, But I remember something that my teacher said to me, and I promise you I was in like, you know, the class that you come out the first year of school after after kindergarten, basically. So I was four or five. And my teacher said to my parents at the end of the term, Gabby suffers from a classic disease. It's called laziness. (laughs) And it has stuck in my mind. I must have been five years old until this day. Yeah, okay. And she's been that person that I've wanted to prove wrong forever. So fuck you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But Gabby, it's so funny you say that because I had uh, the same thing because what we would probably describe all of us in this room, right, is the last thing we describe ourselves is lazy, right? We're very sort of go out there. But the problem is, is that if you are not interested in doing the schoolwork, whether that is geology, history, all those kind of subjects, you're defined as lazy because you're not interested in it. And that is what's frustrating, I find, is that because we either didn't achieve at school or we didn't do well, we weren't interested in it, meant that we were then subjected to a certain or defined as a certain thing, which I just don't think is the case. Well, I find what I find interesting is I wonder how many of those children, e.g. children like us, Mm -hmm. are actually the ones that won't be told what to do and refuse to conform and maybe the ones that go on to have the success that you yeah, wouldn't yeah. expect. I, de- I definitely think that's the case. You, you know, prime example, my I have a brother, Alexander. Uh, you know, we grew up in the same house. We had the same experiences. We did the same thing. We pretty much had the same schooling, everything. He was I- I- incredibly intelligent and worked very hard and was very good at exams. Me, the complete opposite. I, do, I, well, I just didn't work. I, would, I didn't find it interesting. I was called lazy, whatever it was. Uh, my brother then went on to work for a big corporation. He could never, he will never go and start his own thing. He just, it's not within him. However, with me, to work for a big corporation or do something like that, that's just not, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly sit there and do something. I remember I had an internship at a, at a broking firm and I lasted a day there because the guy was talking to me wore complete beige suit and I went in the next day and said I'm so sorry I can't do this anymore and, and I and I quit and I was meant to do it for two months and I had to wake up every single day at 5 30 6 o'clock in the morning put on my suit and pretend I was going to work so my mum would think I was going to this internship and have to walk around the, the corner to my friend's house and I would do that for two months because I just wasn't within me um but what were you like growing up Gabby what kind of child were you So everything that you just said about the internship was basically how I approached school. Um, So I remember loads of times, especially especially during sixth form, where my best friend and I would pretend that we were going to school and never show (laughs) up and come up with a host of excuses. Um, What did you go and do instead? We would just hang out. I think we went to Topshop once. We would just hang out. You know, it was newfound freedom because we had our driving licenses, so we could kind of do whatever. Pretty exciting time, right? Um. But other than that, I mean, I don't want to paint a picture of myself that isn't all true. Other than that, I was quite 
like not studious isn't the right word I got good grades but I was lazy yeah so if fine. I had applied myself I probably would have done really so that well. school report that said you were lazy was actually pretty accurate true but you it, true. hearing it made you go actually I don't want to be that person I'm going to go and do something different yeah but not until many many years later okay and I didn't even realize it had stuck in my head until many many years right later. okay okay so, so it wasn't like an instant yeah. get it okay no okay no. cool so um and when you left school you then went on to university I uh, took a gap year, yeah. mulled around for a year, had a good time in Paris, um, learned French, so that's a good okay. outcome. So you must have been, so what I'm getting from this, you, even the, you sort of say mulled around and learned French. You know, if I went to Paris for a few months, I wouldn't learn French. That wasn't within me. So you kind of must have been quite a, you must have, without you realising, you must have picked things up along the way. You must have kind of realised that you were quite assertive, whether you could put you in a certain place and you could sort of find your way through it. I could just wing my way through it. Yeah. But there was never a plan. I don't think I was massively ambitious. And then that all changed when I went to university. So I started off at UCL um, and it just didn't work out for me. I wasn't kind of performing to my what best. Did you, what did you do, sorry? What I was, were you studying? I was doing French and Arabic. Um, so I really wanted to learn Arabic. I have a kind of alternate life view of myself or I'm a kind of secret agent. Um, like a sliding doors type thing. Yeah, yeah. Or like a journalist <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, so Arabic, you know, was, and I, I also find it a beautiful language, but wasn't and still is kind of high on my list of things to learn. But whatever, UCL yeah. didn't work for me. And I ended up leaving and going to a business school, which was a small business school. Um, and for some reason at business school, I just did really, really well. And for the first time, I really experienced what it felt like to be considered in, I wouldn't say high regard, but as somebody that could contribute and was quite smart and could do well. Um, and I graduated with a first and I just, it and, felt good. And did, so, so you liked that feeling. You liked that I feeling that feeling. someone was congratulating you for something that you were good at. So you got kind of a buzz from it. That I wasn't lazy anymore. That I yeah. wasn't the lazy one anymore. That actually I could be someone that could do things. And was it the kind of the people, the teaching or the kind of subjects or the kind of clicked into place? You, I tell you what it was. It was an environment that I felt socially very, very comfortable in. I yep. made loads of friends. It was a small environment and I just felt good. And in feeling good... I, every other part of my university life started to excel. And I hadn't felt that way before. I didn't feel so that way in high school. Yeah. But is that so. because, is that because though, um, you felt accepted, I suppose, because, and did you feel that because you were excelling so well that people kind of looked up to you? And so therefore you had something to give in a sense, because I think a lot of the time that people feel that they don't belong. I remember very well going back to my school days, prime example, my kind of USP, right? My unique selling point was I was very good at sport. But in my last year, I completely lost that. I, I damaged my knee. I couldn't play again. And I wasn't then useful for anything. So I kind of sort of lost my kind of way in a sense at school. So I think when you find like, when you find something that you are actually quite good at and that you're congratulated for it, you actually go, hang on a second, this feels quite good. And then as you said, everything does seem to fall into place. So I don't know where I'm getting with this question. It's more <laughs> that I find it interesting that you sort of found your way, I suppose, by being good at something. Yeah. I just, I felt comfortable and it allowed me to shine, I guess. Um, yeah, and where so, was this? Was this in was this in the UK? Yes, yeah, so it was in the UK. So it, it's a school called um, well Regents Business School. It's um, it has become much more academic. It, it, I don't think anybody will, would have hailed it as an incredibly academic institution when I was there. Um, but again, maybe that stood to my advantage. Maybe yeah. because the standards weren't massively high, I felt like I can do this, mm -hmm. and I've got this, and 
So I did. Yeah, nice. Um, but then, interesting enough, but then, you know, I read that you went to New York and you started studying, or you started working in film mm-hmm. production. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to be an actress or did you work in film production? No, I wanted to be an actress. You did? Yeah, I did. And I went to acting school and I loved every second of it. Was this before or after? This was school? after business school. Okay. Um, so I was just going to say, even though I did really well, I had no intention of going to work at a big company or anything <laughs> like that. That just wasn't part of my life plan. Okay. So um, it was kind of- Tick that off so, on yeah. the next thing. So, yeah. so, so you were like, so I, I've got a first in business. I'm not going to go and do that. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go and become an actress. Exactly. I was like, I can do the business thing. I know that. So I can probably do the acting nice thing too. Nice fallback plan. Yeah. Um, so obviously that didn't work out, but it was good. I had the most amazing time. Acting school was incredible. Met the most amazing people. And you lived in New York? Lived in New that. York for four years. Amazing. Just, yeah, it was incredible. Um, How do you think it compares to sort of working and living in London? It depends where you are in your life. Um, I do love London a lot. I don't think, unless it was for an incredible work opportunity, I don't think my husband and I would go back to New York now. You know, we have a son. Yeah. <clears throat> but at the time I was in my 20s. Oh, perfect. Amazing. That's like yeah. the best time the best ever. Time. So you started working, you did the business school thing, you then started working in, in film. Yeah. And then huge pivot back to Huckle Tree or had it always okay, in between so- that? So first of all, um, when I was there, so I was at acting school, started filming a load of indie films. You have okay. an English accent in New York. You guys probably know. Yeah. It's very easy. So you were getting jobs. I was getting jobs. But that's really Can't rare. say I was being paid for the jobs, but I was getting jobs. <laughs> so you're like, I'll do this for free because I feel like, what, you, another one for free? Yeah, I'll do that yeah. one, but you know, something will come you, around Yeah, the that's corner. the thing. You kind yeah. of feel in these creative industries that you have to do the free things in the beginning. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, But then I think very quickly I got very anxious. I think business school had given me that I do want to achieve something tangible with my life. And as the months went by, I remember kind of being on the phone with my mother saying, mom, am I wasting my time? I was so anxious. What am I doing? I need to do something. Where, where is this going to lead? Um, but, but sorry, I'd cut you off, but that's interesting because I suppose um, you are achieving something in, in a sense where you're, achieve, you're getting some roles, even though you're not being paid, you're kind of, there is a process going on. What what were you? What did you want to achieve? What were your aspirations? What were you going? Okay, right. This is what, what I'm not. What did you want? Oh no, I wanted to be a movie star. Th- that's I what mean, you wanted. yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to be doing second rate independent <laughs> films for free for the rest you of my life. You were going to be on the Hollywood <clears throat> Walk of Fame, for sure. So when it became clear that that either wasn't going to happen ever or would have taken a very long time, I needed to pivot my life. Um, So in New York, um, as part of the film production side of the film work, I ended up working at a co-working space. Okay. And I loved it. And I thought, this is incredible. You meet so many incredible people from different walks of life. The concept didn't exist. I'd never heard about it in London at the time. And when I moved back to London, um, you know, a year or two, two later, I thought, I can do this. I want to set it up. I want to do something similar. Um, yeah. And it now, to me, it seems like co-working is 
it's kind of like a, one of those buzzwords that everybody talks about and it's just another thing that we're all used to. What does it really mean to you? Because perhaps I think for a lot of people it kind of gets lost in translation now. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it's okay. Um, okay, so obviously the co-working industry is hugely, hugely saturated and like you say, you know, co-working is a buzzword, community is a buzzword. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of very generic brands in our industry. So I think for us, it's really about focusing on who the businesses are that we bring together. So all of our members fit within a curation. It's an application to join. And then certain of our buildings are actually themed by industry or by vertical. Yeah. So you can really create a community. Yeah, I was going to say, I was actually in the, um, I don't know what you call it, the, the White Tree at White City. Yeah, um, West. Yeah, I was there a few weeks ago visiting some friends and you do genuinely get that feeling yeah. of a team yeah. which is amazing when you've got so many different companies in one room essentially exactly. or rooms but how does that so you hand pick the people or how does it work so we hand pick the businesses um in Huckletree West we did the theme is digital lifestyle so all all of the businesses there are consumer facing businesses okay which then means that we can just build a really good program of events um yeah. that the founders are going through similar battles at the same time customer acquisition looks very different in b2c than it looks mm-hmm. in b2b um, so it's just been really, really interesting. But, but I've got two questions here. The first one is, I suppose, and this is a big question, especially to all of our listeners, because um, I think the hardest thing in life to do is realize something isn't going right, even though you want it to go right, and pivoting and changing. Everyone goes down a certain road or follows a certain thing or, or starts up a business, and when something Everyone believes in their own, their own selves that it's going to be a success because why would you go into something thinking it's not going to be a success? So my first question is, how hard was it for you to kind of quit the acting and say, this is not working? And I know we're taking a step back, but I'm just, because when was that moment you were like, you know what, I'm not going to be the movie star? So, okay, it's a really good question. It actually didn't happen like that now that I'm thinking back. It happened like my husband said to me, okay, you can start Huckletree and you're still acting, there will come a time where you can't do both. And I always said to him, no, 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 nonsense, I can do both for sure. And he was just right. And there was just naturally a time where Huckletree took off and I just couldn't, even if I had been getting these jobs, which I wasn't, so it doesn't matter, but even if I had, I wouldn't have been able to continue the acting. And that's what it looked like. So it wasn't a direct pivot. It was a gradual leaving that part of my life behind. And your, what does your husband do? Does he have his own business? Or? My husband works in venture capital. Okay, cool. So he had yeah. lots of experience yeah. in kind of yeah. that world. So yeah. that must be a big help as well. I mean, huge. He's been a huge yeah. help, yeah. But, yeah, amazing. But but also, I think, you know, um, you you know, I have my reasons, Ed, you have your reasons, and you have your reasons. But I think for everyone out there, lots of people will be listening going, no, hang on, why can't you juggle two? Why is it impossible to be an actor while juggling starting up a business? Why was that so difficult? I mean, I think it depends where you are with both. You know, if I was a mega famous Hollywood actor and decided I wanted to launch a business, there are so many examples of people having done that really, really well. Gwyneth Paltrow with Goop, which actually my husband's company invested in. You know, of course, if you're at the top of your game in one of them, you could do the other. But when you're starting out, having two, both being more than a passion is really, really challenging. Yeah, when you're starting something, I think you have to give it 100 percent, yeah, or nothing. Yeah. So you think you think, and I'm I'm not I'm just playing this sort of devil's advocate. So you think in life that you you may have a lot of passions, but you have to have one passion project. You can't be doing if, if you're in a certain situation. So you can't because I've met lots of people who say I want to start this and I want to start this and I want to start this. And perhaps my fault in life is that I've gone. 
blah with everything. And I try to spread myself too thin sometimes and I have to draw it back. Do you think it's very hard to, if you really want to shine at one thing, you have to go right, full steam ahead, one train, here we go towards that destination? Look, I think if you're running a business Mm -hmm. and actually you're the CEO of the business and you're there day to day, there is no way when that business gets a certain size that you can have a second job. There's just no way. I mean, I have, you know, we have 50 people on our team. Even if, I mean, I can't even have time for my own life, let alone, you know, but it it depends on how you see your level of involvement. And you said you had a a son on that, you know, managing your own life. How do you kind of find that, I guess, work-life balance is the cliche, but how do you manage your time? I, I find it really tricky. I find that I'm always kind of at work feeling guilty about why I'm not with Jack, my son, yeah. um, and then vice versa. How old's Jack? He's three, just turned three. So Huffle Tree is seven? No, old? four years old. Four years Four old. and a half years old, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, since so, we launched, yeah. Wow, so Jack came along very early in that. Yeah. That must have been difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no good time. I think there are lots of things that there are no... Yeah, good yeah, time course, yeah. having kids is one of them yeah. you just have to do it um but I think as a mother and it's always difficult and I was just having this chat with Antoine my husband last night as a mum, there are dads that are so hands-on and I know so many of them and my husband is one of them but the mother it's just different I can't explain yeah. why it's just yeah, different I, cool. any guy who tries to say it, it's not it, it is just different I agree with you. You know, if you're both working, let's say, because obviously there are there are couples where the, the dad is at home and the mum's working, and I'm not going to take that away from the dad, but yeah. in couples where both are working and it's it's equal footing, still 90% of the stuff around Jack and around our house falls on me. So I have to add that to the fact that I work crazy hour weeks and that I'm managing this team and whatever. And it's really, really challenging. And, you know, women suffer from guilt more than men. That's just a fact. Yeah. So add that to the, the to pile the of laundry. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, It's good fun. But also, Gabby, <laughs> you've spoken about, um, you know, you you focus on Huckle Tree. Um, you went round, you went and did an initial um, sort of funding for it. And you found it hard because you were seven months pregnant. And you felt that it was unfair because your business partner, whose partner was pregnant, they weren't kind of, you thought you were being criticised because you were seven months pregnant and looking for funding for a, for a startup. Wasn't that right? Yeah, so I felt exactly as you say, it was just like, well, we're both about to have kids and certainly they were born a week apart. We're both about to have kids, but I'm the one that feels that I need to address the fact. You need to mention it, yeah. You know, he doesn't because nobody is going to know that, but I need to because you can see that I'm about <laughs> to have a baby. So, but why did you have to address it? Because people were looking at it. Because people su- like suggested, or they did, did they ask you what was it? You know, I think that if it happened today, if we were fundraising today, and invariably that will happen again because we are always fundraising, and I will mm-hmm. want to have more children, I wouldn't address it. For me, it would just be de facto. Yeah, I'm having a kid. Yeah, I'll take Matt leave, and yeah, I'll still be a great boss, and I'll still run the business really well. I wouldn't address it. But at the time, you know, that comes with confidence. Yeah. At the time, it was our. It wasn't our seed. It was our Series A, but it was our first decent size round. We were raising two and a half million, um, and I felt like I needed to address it. And perhaps that was wrong of me. But you know, I think it probably says more about the funding industry landscape, landscape than, than it does about you yeah, personally yeah, yeah probably yeah. it's a bit sad um okay so huckle tree has now been going for so long you have five locations one in ireland is the latest one to open yeah Dublin. And, okay yeah. awesome and how is that different do you find that working in, in a different country different kind of culture any different I mean, it's obviously quite similar to the very UK, but... similar yeah so it's not i mean i think this year we'll really see our first kind of expansion into 
really different cultural countries. Okay. Um, but Dublin, you know, quite similar to London, big tech scene. Yeah. A lot of young people, young demographic. Um, and we've managed to retain how we do things and keep the brand consistency. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that there have been massive differences, but it has been incredible. But but this is what I find so interesting, right? So at Candykins, we're selling a product. So we have um, our different flavors of sweets and it goes out to different... Uh, different supermarkets, different retailers, and it's easy to track, right? Because we can see everything's the same, everything's packaged the same, everything looks the same, and it goes out there. But with you, you have uh, different venues across London, one in Ireland. How do you manage that? That is the hardest thing. I don't understand, because you can't be in every single venue of every single hour of the day. So how do you know everything is running as you want it to run? Okay, so... Of course, we can't be everywhere. And actually, I try not to go anywhere anymore. And I try to just stay in our HQ because I find that when I go to the locations, there are so many people that I want to talk to that I don't get anything done. So I try now to stay in our HQ. And then it's about just hiring really, really incredible people as our general managers. So I know that these people are going to be managing their team to their best performance. They're going to be bringing out the best in the community. They're going to be, and this is a big one, going by the processes and the procedures that we've put in place. So if weekly reports happen on Friday and this is the format... That will happen and that will be seamless and we'll be able to compare each location's performance, you know, side by side. So I think it's just about, you know, growing the business I've learned is really... systems in place yeah, to make it processes. foolproof. Yeah. yeah, But it's really interesting as well because what you're creating at Huckletree, which <clears> is so great, I find, is an atmosphere that is great to work in. Ed, as you said, you went there and you felt like everyone was a team, even though they're all starting their own things. And you're saying now that you're hiring the great, the, the perfect sort of GMs and that. Do you think... Uh, do you think team is the most important thing to a successful business? In our business? In your business, yes. or actually just in general? Do you think, because, let me phrase it differently, do you, think, uh, what do, you, do you think you can have a great product and a mediocre team and it will do better than a mediocre product and an amazing team? Well, I don't think you can have a great product without a great team. Interesting. So, you know, if you have a great product, it's a combination of so many things, right? It's a combination of creative, it's a combination of, you know, financial business plan, and all those people just need to be ahead of their game and thinking yeah. about it in a way that other people aren't thinking about it in order for the product to get out there, be a great brand, for all of the financials to stack up and make sense. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, team, I think because the team are really a part of our products, I see team as a core part of our product, Yeah, that it's more than just, you know, on the sidelines. For us, our team are the most amazing things. And when people go to Huckletree and they go to Huckletree West, for example, because you were there last week and they meet Bryony and Avi and all the amazing team members, they always say that that is part of the experience. Jamie, bad news. That is the end of part one. What? I know, I know. We got there so quick, but don't fear. Part two is coming right up, just one click away. So everybody that's listening, just go over and click part two. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.